Welcome to Central Vineyard. My name's Tammy and I'm one of the pastors here. I've got the pleasure of sharing with you on this Easter Sunday. Uh, We've been doing a series here at church on Jesus' famous last words. And I probably have the shortest verse to read out to you this morning. But first of all, we're here to celebrate. We're here to celebrate that Jesus is risen. He is risen. And the congregation replies, he is risen indeed. (laughs) Um, So live from here at Central Vineyard, keep your comments coming and someone will look at those. But it's great that you've joined us. So the shortest verse in the world that I have to read from this morning is Luke 23. And it's literally verse 46. And it says this. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, Into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. These words called out by Jesus here are probably very familiar to us if we've read them before in the scriptures. You may also have joined us on our Good Friday reflection, where it would have been traditional to reflect on these words. But also because these words are reflected from the Psalms. And Psalm 31, which is attributed to David, speaks these words. Now, David was confident. David was confident that his soul was safe with God. He says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. And Jesus speaks that direct quotation from the passage of Scripture. In context, it appears like this in the psalm. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me. You are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. David claims his innocence and righteousness in the face of of his enemies in the adversity that he is facing. He put his faith and hope in the Lord. He knows that he will go to be with God. He expresses his confidence in the Lord that the Lord will vindicate him. The Lord will vindicate him in his life and in his death. And though his enemies may win a temporary victory, God will justify David. And Jesus calls out this psalm with the same meaning. Jesus lived a blameless life on earth. Not only did Jesus know he would go to be with the Father, but he knew that his life would be vindicated with the resurrection just a few days later. And that resurrection message to us speaks of the victories that were to follow. God did vindicate. And on that day, we now celebrate this day, Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, Jesus shook off his grave clothes. He left behind an empty tomb and returned in his glory. So no matter how dark things seemed on the cross, no matter how hopeless things seemed when he was in the grave, Nothing compared to the light and glory of the risen Saviour and what was taking place and for all of us who come to salvation.
This phrase that Jesus used, into your hands I commit my spirit. That would have been part of a regular evening prayer used daily by devout Jews. Jesus would have prayed this prayer many times, a whole load of times in the evening to his father who neither sleeps nor slumbers. He would have entrusted his spirit to him as he slept, that he would have been safe as he slept. Some of us may pray a similar prayer. I don't know if you've ever heard a bedtime prayer. I learned it when I was small. It made no sense to me and it still makes no sense to me. In fact, when I hear it, it sounds terrifying. And I wonder if some of you have learned that prayer. And it always gets presented in some form like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Eebie-jeebies. All I can say is that prayer never gave me peace. It gave me nightmares about wondering if I'd wake up in the morning. Was there a reason we were praying this prayer? And maybe if you pray that prayer, check with your children that they're not having nightmares about dying in their sleep. Um, but anyway, back to Jesus. Jesus would have prayed regular prayers like this. And these words he chose, these words that he chose to be his very final words, he chose that he would call them out in a loud voice, that people would hear these words. Maybe it was loud because of his anguish. Maybe we wouldn't probably expect to hear such a call from a dying man, one who was dying in such a way. So we trust that Jesus wanted us to hear. For Jesus always speak, speaks and spoke to God with the intimacy that he had of that intertwined father-son relationship the way he prayed throughout his whole ministry, that communication of intimacy. This reflected that no matter how dark the situation for Jesus in that moment, he still recognized that his very last breath belonged to his father and that he could present it and it would be received. And I wonder if he used that traditional recognizable language to speak to that crowd to show that that intimacy held. Would it have surprised the crowd to hear those words from Jesus after such a violent death? Jesus entrusted himself to the Father to care for and protect him as he let go. For Jesus, there was no doubt about his destiny into the everlasting arms of his father. His final breath, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And the question you may be asking this morning is, well, why did he even do that? What was the point in Jesus's life and ministry if it was just to lead to a sad and painful death? Why do we celebrate as Christians? Why do we celebrate Easter? Because it all up to this point seems a bit macabre. And what does it mean? You see, we can ask those questions, but we need to know that Jesus did have a point and that Jesus is relevant to you. 
even if you don't actually realize that yet. Maybe you've tuned in because it's what you do at Easter. Maybe someone has invited you to come and listen and to tell you that we're going to celebrate the risen king. And so far, all you've heard is that Jesus breathed his last breath and is now dead. Not great news so far. But at Easter, we celebrate the significance of the risen Jesus, the risen king. As we read through the scriptures, we see that after death on the third day, some of Jesus, Jesus' followers, they went to the grave to find him. But when they arrived, the stone that had covered the entrance had been rolled away. They were surprised. Although if you read the Gospels, Jesus told them many times that this is what would happen. And this is the key message to our understanding the living of a Christian faith. Giving up our own will here on earth and committing our very living breath to God. The invitation is for you and I. Because the tomb was empty on that Sunday, we know there is no obstacle to move that is too big for God. No matter how final that death was and how final death may be in our human reality, it's not the end of it all. Since Jesus rose from the grave, we can see the grave as a blessed invitation to eternal life. Because Jesus overcame death, we also overcome death. But not physical death. Because our very bodies are deteriorating as we speak. I'm really sorry, it's a scientific fact. We're going downhill from the minute we're born. <laughs> Actually, Shakespeare, in his play, As You Like It, wrote a beautiful speech spoken by the character Jax. You may know it as all the world is a stage and all the men and women merely players, and so on. And it ends like this. It says, the last scene of all, the ends, the strange, eventful history, is second childishness and mere oblivion. Sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything. It's a fact. That is really where it ends. And that's where we're all heading. There's no surprises there. But Jesus tells us more than that. Jesus tells us in that statement where he commits his spirit to his father and rose again three days later that there is more. And that message, those few sentences, may seem so small and simple in its nature that we could simplify this one big book, the Bible, this lifetime to a few sentences about death. And you still ask yourself, why? Why did God even have a plan? Why did God need Jesus to come? Well, it's because there's a bigger story taking place. And it started a long time ago in a garden. And didn't Kate just do a wonderful job this morning? I was just thinking that with my God's Big Story cards as I was writing this. Um, we're on the same page, so we could just play a video again and that'll save me a whole lot of breath, but here we go. Stick with me. <laughs> in the garden, we call the first part of the story creation. God created the earth and everything in it. 
I'm not going to read the whole book, by the way. <laughs> he created it to be good. He created it to be filled with love. And it was full of his beauty and it was full of his goodness. And it was the kind of place where everything worked according to God's good intention. The world was made for us as humans to flourish. We could live in joy and in the presence of our creator, worshiping God by loving him and loving one another forever. It's complete harmony. Then actually what came is what we call the fall. God created human. He created Adam and Eve and he created them perfect in every way. And Adam and Eve were tempted in their choices. And that temptation led them to rejecting God's rule over them. And we refer to that rebellious choice as the fall. And because Adam and Eve represented the whole of humanity, their actions simultaneously affected us. Through their attitudes and our attitudes and our actions, we declare ourselves to be God's enemies. We are in rebellion to God. And this rebellion resulted in a spiritual and physical death. And as Alan pointed out on our Good Friday talk, there has only ever been one plan. So the story doesn't end there. There's redemption. Because thankfully God, who is the loving creator, who rightly showed himself to be displeased towards our rebellion and our sin, sets about turning evil and suffering. We as humans have created into good. Often we get that mixed up. We blame God for the things that happen, but we live in a world where as humans we make bad choices. You know, the good that God brings will ultimately glorify his creation story. So what happens is that God continues to reveal his plan for redeeming his world and rescuing us fallen sinners. You may not see yourself as someone who sins. You, you may ask that question, well, I'm not a sinner. I'm a pretty good person. So does this matter? Does it mean anything to me? Well, the answer is yes. Yes, because you were born into this world and therefore born into that fallen world, into the sin that had entered in at the point of the fall. And in the birth and life of Jesus Christ, God himself comes to renew the world and make a way to restore his people back to that creation narrative. And the grand narrative of scripture climaxes with the death and resurrection of Jesus Jesus became the sacrifice that needed to take place for you to enter in. But the story doesn't end with redemption. God has a promise to renew the whole world. And the Bible gives us a tiny look into this glorious future with him, a world without pain, a world without suffering, a world without tears, a world without mourning the renewal of all things will take place when Christ returns to judge sin and evil and he will bring with him a time of righteousness and peace. The, God will purge this world of evil once and for all and we will return to that 
original picture of creation. Jesus' last breath and the resurrection story is the pivotal moment in which an invitation is made to you to live in the fullness of God's creation, now on earth and into the redemption to come. The invitation is to you and me. And that's why it matters, because you were created to be part of the story, whether you know it or not. You are invited. God invites. God doesn't force you. He won't override your free will. It is your free choice, but it is a choice that's of great consequence. Resurrection isn't just about life after death. It's also the promise of new life now. If the resurrection was only about life after death, why would we commit ourselves to a life of this choice? Christianity is not just a religion of death. It is the promise of life. There is so much to discover about God And in this small slot on a Sunday morning, Easter or not, that will not cover it. The invitation with to anyone, if you hold a belief, if you don't hold a belief, is actually to cultivate a desire for you to go and explore. You can go and explore this story. And obviously the main book that we would point you to is the Bible. But there are so many books out there. There are so many books. There are historical fact books about this period in time that you could go and read. There are personal testimony books of people who lived this life of faith that you could read. There is theology upon theology books. There is so much out there, but we should be reading. We should be learning. We should be investing in our growth, and in our discovery of who this God is. We should not take a lazy attitude when it comes to God. We should not just think we know the truth of who God is and what it was he stood for. If we're going to live a life, the life that Jesus has called us into, then we need to have an idea about the kind of person he is what it was he came to do. And so if you don't know who he is, partly because you've never given the time to do that, I would encourage you to. And if you don't know who he is just because you've been nagged to come and watch this, then the invitation is the same. It's no different. Explore this message. Don't just keep writing it off as that's nice for you. Because this is your day. This is your sign that Jesus is inviting you to come and live a transformed life. N.T. Wright, in his book, Surprised by Hope, says this, condensed. (laughs) The point of the resurrection is that the present bodily life is not valueless because it will die. What you do with your body in the present matters because God has a great future in store for it. What you do in the present, by painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, 
teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, serving the poor, loving your neighbour as yourself, will last into God's future. These activities are not simple ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable until the day when we leave it all behind. They are part of what we may call building God's kingdom. The invitation for you is to orientate your life in such a way that you give your living breath to God now as much as relinquishing that final breath to his care. You are called to be builders of God's kingdom here and now. Everything you do points to him. Have you recognized that when we meet people, mostly for the first time, you may have a sort of conversation that goes, oh, what, what do you do then? What do you do for a living? It's a standard question with many different answers at the end of the day because we all do something, even if your answer is nothing. We all live for something, whether we know it or not. Some people you might see they, they choose money. Some people choose their job and climbing up the ranks. Some people choose other people, maybe a family member. They live for that person. Some people just seek their whole life for the approval of others. Either way, you will be living for something. But what if we were to change that approach? What if we were to ask the question, what are you living for? How would you answer that? Bob Dylan said this in answer to that question. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. There's just something in us and an inner need that causes us to, to look out there, to give us a desire to do something. Maybe you feel that, that desire just pressing in. Sometimes those desires can trip us up if we haven't desired the right things. But have you ever noticed that nothing quite gives you the satisfaction you are looking for? Nothing fills that void. Well, may I simply invite you to consider that that missing ingredient for you is the breath of God. That same breath that, that Jesus commits to his father. That same breath that saw his life and ministry become something so beautifully unique that here we are thousands of years later still honoring and celebrating. This very story is written into the fabric of creation since time began. And what's more exciting, my friends, is that you are in that story. Your story, too, is written into the fabric of creation. You and your life chosen for now in this time and era. And you get to choose. Do I acknowledge that story? Do I seek to find out what my part is? 
Do I look at the script and find out where I come in? What is my purpose? Do I say yes to the creator who made a way for me to freely participate? Do I discover that my body has a spirit, that my very breath has purpose and meaning in this creation story now and in the future? That's a consideration to make. And just as the band come back, the flip side of that is, do we ignore it? Do we just fumble on subconsciously, hoping that the next act, the next scene, outplays itself and it will all do well? Do I live in mere oblivion? Do I just ignore the story of a thousand generations and continue to live like that? Do I want the next act to unfold and watch those around me taking part whilst I'm on the sidelines? Well, that is up to you. The invitation from Jesus this morning is that you say yes that you say yes to that creation story, to taking your place, to committing your life, your breath to him now and for the future. Father, I just pray as we just finish in worship that you will continue to speak to us you'll continue to knock at our door and to remind us that you are inviting us into a life worth living. You've accomplished so much for us and it's cost us nothing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. As we worship, if, if, if you need prayer this morning and you're on our church online platform, just head on there and click the prayer button and someone will be with you. If you've been touched in a way this morning, maybe that you want to make that commitment and you're not sure how, you too can can go across there. You can also head over to our website, centralvineyard.co.uk and hit the connect space. And there's a moment there that says, find out more of this faith. Just hit that and someone will be in touch. So as we worship, just think on that. Happy Easter and we'll be back soon.